Hi, I'm Jillian, and you're listening to the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast, where each week you'll learn tools and actionable tips for improving your relationship with food, your body, and yourself so that eating can feel easier. If at any point you'd like to learn more about my coaching programs, download free resources to support your progress, or just see photos of my adorable dog, you can go to www.bitesize.es to learn more. Thank you so much for listening, and let's hop in to this week's episode. Hi, we're back. I have been sort of in and out of life over the last couple of weeks because last week I was taken out by, I don't know if it was COVID, I don't know if it was the flu, but it was rough. And I can honestly say, I know you're going to be like, Jillian, how is this a good thing? It, for me, it was really good because it was a great opportunity to reflect on how far I have come in my mindful eating practice and in my capacity to trust my body. Even though I was absolutely freaking miserable, I like had a fever, I couldn't breathe through my nose, I had a cough, I just did not feel good. But it was really incredible to know that I could trust my body to give me the indications that I needed around food. It was incredible to know that I didn't have to freak out over, oh my gosh, I'm not eating protein with every meal. Or, wow, all I've wanted to eat is carbohydrates and I haven't wanted vegetables. And feeling peace around that part of being sick is is something that I honestly thought that I would never get to because I had spent so many years being so worried about, am I doing things perfectly with my nutrition? And so, yes, I'm going to say, although I hated being sick because it was miserable, I'm very proud of myself for the self-compassion I was able to show myself and also for how much I was able to reflect on the mindful eating practice that I've set up over the last few years. Um, I also, this is another life update. So for me, kind of a big deal. I shared a photo of my boyfriend on social media. And this was always something that I felt really weird about whenever I was dating someone in the past because in my head, I was like, well, if it doesn't work out, I don't want people to know about it. And if you listen to my last episode on emotional regulation, those emotional regulation skills have been key for me in developing this new relationship because I tend to be pretty anxious in relationships. And so learning how to manage my feelings of anxiety and really understand like what is fact and what is a story or thought that I'm telling myself has been so cool to see how I've grown in that way. And I'm going to talk a little bit about um, one of the skills that not only has been incredible for my relationship with food, but also as I've gotten into what might be like the first super healthy relationship I've ever been in um, at the age of 35. But you know what? Better late than never. Maybe I'm not late. Maybe I'm right on time. Who knows? Anyways, Today, we are going to talk a little bit about some skills that were essential for me to develop freedom in my relationship with food, that were essential for me to feel in charge of how I thought and acted around food. And so if you are someone who's sort of exploring this idea of, okay, hey, I want to let go of a restrictive mindset around food, I'm not really sure what my next steps are, or I'm in the process of weaning myself away from a diet mindset, 
this is going to paint a picture of not only where you can get to, but also some of the skills that are essential for you to get there. And I'm also going to share a little bit about The Confident Eater, which is my group coaching program. And the reason why I'm going to share about this program is because this is the learnings that I have taken from both the education and experience that I have as a coach, but also the experience that I have as an individual who thought I was going to have to diet forever to keep myself in check. And The Confident Eater is a step-by-step process that I have put together based on my work with clients and based on the work that I've done with myself to get to the point where you can really, really feel that, that balance with food of like, hey, I can eat something indulgent and it doesn't cause feelings of guilt. It doesn't sort of spiral out of control. And I can also choose foods that nourish my body and my mind and do that in a way that doesn't feel like I'm forcing myself to be uh, quote unquote, like on a diet or restrictive. So let's jump in today. And I want to ask you a question. And this is one, I think we all are going to have very different answers for this, but a lot of us might, the answer might be like in childhood. And the question is, when did we learn that food was the enemy? And for me, the demonization of food started really, really early. And there are a couple different points where it could have been. It could have been when I was five and my dad offered me money to eat a salad because it was quote unquote so good, so healthy. And I said no because I didn't want to be forced into doing something because as many of us are, I was a rebellious kid and I'm still a rebellious adult. And it could have been the hundreds of times over the course of growing up that I was told that sugar was terrible for me. Could have been when my mom and I made sugar cookies and my dad would come home and be like, why are you giving her that stuff? It's so bad for her. And that stuff sticks with you, right? And I remember sitting in the walk-in pantry at home when I was, I was probably like 12. So my mom had already passed. It was just me, my dad, and my brother. And I was sitting there with a friend of mine dipping a spoon into a jar of Nutella. I do not know where the Nutella came from because my dad was like, I've, I cannot imagine him, have buy, him buying that. Someone must have given it to us, I guess. And I remember thinking in my head that for this friend of mine, like it was totally fine that she was eating all of this Nutella because she was skinny. And I thought that the reason that her mom didn't get mad at her for doing things like eating ice cream or eating Nutella, et cetera, et cetera, I thought that the reason that her mom didn't get mad at her for that was because she was skinny. And so in my head, I was like, well, she must be able to eat whatever she wants because that's okay for her. But for me, as this sort of like chubbier kid, that wasn't okay. This was sort of all before the age of like 15, 16. And so my relationship with food was sort of like, nah, not fantastic. And it got to a point where it turned to like, oh, okay, this is a problem. Like food is becoming the true enemy. And I want to make a side note here that many disordered eating habits come from a place of, like come from a good place, like a place of wanting to improve our health. The problem is, is that the like health and wellness industry sells us like solutions and sells us a process, sells us diets, sells us programs that are not universally healthy and and really promote a restrictive mindset around food. They promote things that are actually just extremely unhealthy. And so for me, there are sort of like three big uh, turning points, I want to say. And so first was during the gluten-free craze, I, I bought into the gluten-free craze and I stayed gluten-free for six years. And in my head, I felt so superior to this like mere mortal that like, ugh, you eat sandwiches? That is so bad for you. 
And knowing what I know now about the power of the mind and all of this stuff, I honestly probably made myself feel terrible when I ate gluten because I believed so hard that gluten was really bad for me. And spoiler alert, I eat bread, I eat gluten, I eat pretty much everything now and I'm totally fine eating bread. And so this is not to say that like for some people, you might feel better if you don't eat gluten. And if you're a celiac, please do not eat gluten. But this is just a wellness thing that I had convinced myself of in the quote unquote name of health. And then the second turning point for me was I, I sort of went from believing that like I need to avoid gluten for health. In my head, I was like, even if it's a gluten-free brownie, it's quote unquote healthier, right? And I then shifted into tracking macronutrient, tracking macros for fat loss. And that's when I really started obsessing over scale weight and developed some absolutely insane food rules, which if you want to listen to more about that, you can listen to episode 28. Um, and then third, I decided to practice intermittent fasting. And this is, there was a ton of quote unquote like research coming out about how fasting was like good for your health, autophagy, blah, 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 blah. And so in my head, I was like, this is for health. I'm going to be so much healthier if I practice intermittent fasting. But the underlying undercurrent of all of this was, and it's going to help me control my body. It's going to help me lose weight. I started doing because I was like, I got to keep my hunger under control. I'm like way too hungry all the time. But what I didn't realize that the reason that I was freaking hungry all the time was because I just wasn't eating enough food. And so for a long time, probably a couple of years, I would eat my last meal around six or seven and then didn't have breakfast again until 10 or 11 a.m. And this got me to my absolute worst with food. I was overthinking and debating everything I ate. I was like constantly trying to like push back meals or like leave more time between meals, see, see if I could like push back my hunger. I was planning and replanning meals. I was fasting for like 16 plus hours a day. But I didn't realize in that moment that what I was doing was a problem because I genuinely believed that I was doing it all in the name of some sort of like crazy quote unquote health. I had this body that people would praise me for, that people had, were envying. People would comment on my discipline, my consistency, how quote unquote good I looked. And this reinforcement that we both give ourselves and that comes from the outside world is what keeps us stuck in patterns that really fucking suck. And what keeps us stuck in patterns that there's like this little voice that's like, this is not how you want to live your life. But there's a lot of fear about letting it go. And it's why it took me almost five years to say, this is not how I want to live my life. And this is like almost five years of macro tracking. And there's also another factor that keeps us from sort of trying new approaches, and it's impatience. We often, especially as adults, we want to skip the part where we just are good at, like we want to, no, sorry, we want to just skip the part of where we're like learning. We want to just skip to where we're actually good at something. We don't want the awkward part. We don't want the part where there's like two steps forward, two steps back, which is part of the learning process. And the only reason for me that I was able to successfully develop a healthy, positive relationship with food where I feel like fully in charge of my food decisions and really good about them is because of skills. It was because of learning skills. It wasn't like a diet that I found. It wasn't like just a switch that was flipped. It was skills. And I want to share three of those skills that I think have been the most supportive in developing the relationship with food and body that I have now. And even though there are many others, I, I don't want this to be like a nine hour long podcast. So let's go one by one through these three skills. And at the end, as always, I will share some actionable tips 
so that you can start working on these skills. And so the three are cognitive diffusion, mindfulness, and values-based decision-making. And so starting with cognitive diffusion, what the frick is it, right? It is the skill of detaching from thoughts and emotions in order to see them more clearly and give yourself space to observe them. And so what does this mean when it comes to your relationship with food? Something that happens a lot is we would say, we'll say things like, I feel like I ate too many carbs today, or I ate so badly yesterday, I'm totally going to gain weight. And so you think these things and you take them as fact. You don't necessarily realize like, hey, this is a thought that I am having and that thought doesn't have to dictate my behavior. It also doesn't need to make me spiral into believing that like I've done something wrong, I need to change something, uh, or that this is quote unquote me. We become very fused with our thoughts and we take them as I'm thinking this thought, so this thought must be true. And so one of the reasons why cognitive diffusion was so valuable as a skill is because it helped me realize that thoughts are something that my brain is creating. It is not necessarily the truth. And so I learned to tell myself my thoughts are not facts and I am not my thoughts. And so I want to ask you, like, how many times have you actually stopped and questioned the things you think or tell yourself? Like, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I feel so fat today. Like, do you actually stop and question and be like, hey, like, I'm having the thought that I'm feeling fat today. I wonder where that came from. Is this a true fact? Is this a fact? Like, where am I getting, where, where am I coming to this conclusion from? And so for me, if I had a day where I felt fat or I felt ugly or I felt like no one wanted me because my body wasn't perfect enough or I wasn't pretty enough, I would just take that as like, yeah, that's true. And that kept me stuck doing the same things over and over again. And as I learned to develop the skill of being like, hey, I am thinking a thought, that thought doesn't necessarily have to dictate my behavior, nor is that thought necessarily true. I started to develop the skill of defusing and actually being able to make decisions that aligned with my values, which we're going to talk about in a second. And so the next skill that is a skill that I will probably work on until the day that I die is mindfulness. And I did a podcast episode, I think it's episode six, it's, so it's kind of way back there, on how to practice mindfulness without necessarily meditating. I'll be straight up with you, I do not meditate, and I do have a mindfulness practice. And I started dipping my toes into mindful eating and mindfulness years and years ago. I think the first time I started with mindful eating habits was probably like, I was still tracking macros. It was a long time ago. But I feel like I continue to discover something new in my mindfulness practice all the time. And so let's simplify mindfulness. It is essentially just paying attention on purpose without judgment. And what that can look like is kind of like, aha, uh -huh, okay, this thing is happening right now. But we often place so much judgment and especially when we're really struggling with our relationship with food ourselves, there's a lot of judgment there. Like this thing I ate was good, this day was bad. Uh, we put a, we do a lot of that like this was good this was bad and that is the judgment piece and for my relationship with food understanding that judgment piece was so important because I had become so accustomed to constantly judging myself my eating my body my decisions that everything I did was a judgment and if you're struggling with your relationship with food right now you probably judge any change in your body as good or bad any food choice that you make is good or bad, and ultimately yourself and your behavior as good or bad. 
And it is hard to identify when we are judging ourselves because it's become so ingrained in us to do it just automatically. And so one of the antidotes to judgment is curiosity. And curiosity for mindfulness is such an incredible part because we start to ask ourselves questions. And so for me, for my relationship with food, I had to become mindful. I had to become aware of the ways in which I was placing my body and my food choices into those good, bad judgment buckets and then get curious about them. I had to begin to allow myself and push myself to be present to the discomfort of not putting a good, bad label on stuff. For example, eating a meal without knowing exactly what was in it and really engaging with my sense, like the five senses as I was doing it, being present, noticing, hey, my brain really wants to judge this right now. And that was part of this practice of mindfulness and also allowing myself to be mindful of the feeling of discomfort. I had to literally sit and feel the thoughts of, I am thinking that I probably ate too much. I probably ate way too many calories and I really want to do mental math right now to calculate how much I would eat. And I had to start practicing mindfulness around those things. And especially if you are working on your relationship with food, mindfulness around body sensations, specifically hunger and fullness. And there's an entire module in The Confident Eater where we dig into mindful eating and really starting to sort of understand and reset some of those hunger and fullness cues. And that's because when we have been either dieting or following food rules or sort of putting things into that good bad bucket for a long time, we trust our like our thoughts, but we don't trust our bodies. And hunger turns into something that is like scary, but also can be an achievement, right? Like it's scary because you're like, I'm hungry. I'm scared. I'm going to eat too much. I'm scared. I'm going to make the wrong decisions, et cetera, et cetera. But also for me specifically, I felt proud when I felt hungry and was also able to not sort of like, quote unquote, give into that hunger. In my head, when I would wake up in the middle of the night hungry, that was an achievement. I was like, oh, I'm so dedicated. But that I can see now and through the cognitive diffusion skills, I can see that that is a huge problem. And that is something that was simply my restrictive behaviors telling me something about hunger that actually isn't true. And I would be really scared about hungry, like or hunger. Like what if I didn't have the willpower to deny my hunger? What if I gave in and ate something I shouldn't or ate too much? And all of these are judgments of what hunger meant. So in practicing mindfulness, I started getting curious about hunger and curious about the different ways to satisfy my hunger. I started learning about the different types of hunger, the difference between fullness and satisfaction. And mindfulness helped me, like as someone that goes super, super quickly through everything, mindfulness has helped me slow down and actually enjoy food so much more. And it's a precursor to being able to practice unconditional permission to eat. And so third skill and this is the one that is like first at front and center in any of my coaching programs and is right at the beginning of module one of The Confident Eater is values-based decision-making. And so when I look back on the whole process of improving my relationship with food, learning how to practice unconditional permission to eat, practicing body neutrality, the first step, like the seed that got all of this started was realizing that the way I was living my life was not coherent with my values. And so what the fuck does that mean? And specifically, I remember one day when I was feeling particularly exhausted 
with like the mental planning and the food Tetris and all of the like judgments was, was this good? Was this bad? Blah, blah, blah. And I asked myself, if I am doing all of this to make myself more attractive, why do I feel so freaking lonely? And that's because in the pursuit of controlling food in my body, I did not have brain space for other stuff. And even though I got so many compliments on my discipline, my life, my relationships, none of it was any better than before I started dieting. And in fact, a lot of it was worse. And so I got curious about what was actually important to me. Was it looking good or was what's important to me actually connection, friendship, creativity, fun, freedom? And when I first drilled down and created a list of what I believe to me my core values are, because there's no right answer here, I thought about everything I did in a day and how much of everything I did daily aligned with the things that felt the most important to me. And honestly, not a whole lot because so much of it was dedicated to like getting my snacks ready and understanding like, did I eat too much earlier in the day? Or thinking like thinking and thinking and thinking about my hunger and my body and so much. And so I had to start using those values as a filter for how I was living. And this is a skill that takes a lot of practice, but it is maybe one of the most valuable things you can do for your life. And as with all of our episodes here, we're going to finish off with some actionable tips. These are skills, again, that are going to support an awesome relationship with food, but also an awesome relationship with yourself in general, which is the entire basis for the Confident Eater group coaching program. The wait list is going to be opening very, very soon. So if you want more details to work on these skills, or if you want to dip your toe into some of these skills, I'm going to link my Confident Eating Foundations mini course in the show notes. And that Confident Eating Foundations is going to help you start understanding like what are the food rules that I'm dealing with right now? What are the judgments that I'm putting on food? And also, how do I start practicing some values-based decision-making and mindful eating skills so that I can start to get more in touch with myself? And this is sort of, so to give you an idea of what you'll find inside the Confident Eater and the skills that you'll learn in the Confident Eater are structured to support you building trust in yourself and becoming friends with your decisions about food. And you are going to gain freedom, confidence, a relationship with food that doesn't hold you back from enjoying and engaging with life. And so if you describe your relationship with food as difficult or complicated, TCE is an awesome fit for you. You're going to learn how to practice the concept of values-based decision-making. You're going to learn how to practice mindfulness, mindful eating skills, and you're going to learn how to approach your nutrition with self-compassion instead of self-criticism, which... Spoiler alert, awesome for motivation. Self-compassion is very motivating. Whereas self-criticism, you feel like it is, it's actually not. So actionable tips. For cognitive diffusion, one thing that is really, really helpful is when you notice a thought, simply say, I am having the thought that before the thought. So let's say you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, I feel so fat. Add, I am having the thought that I feel fat. So that starts to give you a little bit of space between the thought. Instead of this is me, it is like I am thinking this thing. And it's almost like if you hold a piece of paper up to your eyes, you can't see anything except the paper. But as you move the paper away and give yourself space, you can start to see other things. And I also want you to start identifying like is this thing that I'm thinking, is it a thought or is it a fact? A fact would be I ate oatmeal for breakfast. But a thought would be I ate way too many carbs for breakfast. 
Our thoughts are what keep us stuck in these patterns with food in our bodies because we create narratives that we that support what we already believe to be true. So we're constantly reinforcing beliefs that we already have. So identifying is this a thought or is this a fact can sort of like help break that chain a little bit. When it comes to mindfulness, so an actionable tip that I want to give you is one of my favorite mindfulness practices. And again, if you want to start meditation, awesome. Meditation can be absolutely incredible. If you're like me and you kind of struggle with it, uh, I like to start with a 4-3-2-1 mindfulness exercise. Some people do this 5-4-3-2-1. But I like to do this by simply naming four things you can see, three things you can hear, two things you can feel, and one thing you can smell. Another way to start practicing mindfulness is through breath work. So focusing on your breath as you breathe in or as you breathe out. And again, I mentioned the Confident Eating Foundations mini course, which is like the precursor to TCE. And in the Confident Eating Foundations, I teach how to practice a mindful self-check-in where you can bring yourself to the present, check in with yourself. I think you'll enjoy that. And two more actionable tips here. I want you to start questioning what are the values that you would like to live your life by and ask yourself, what are the habits you already have that are moving you in that direction and what are the habits that you have that are not moving you in that direction? And a way to get curious about this is to think about some of the moments in your life where you are the most fulfilled and happy. This is really helpful because when you're the most fulfilled and happy, you might be like in a flow state. You might be like fully present and understanding that we can create more of those moments for ourselves is really empowering. And then there's a specific exercise that's called the choice point exercise. And this is from um, some of the education I did around acceptance and commitment therapy. And so you can do this. You draw a giant V on a piece of paper. And at the bottom of the V, you're going to draw a circle. And that circle is the choice point. That is a moment in time where you have a decision. And that decision, you can either make a choice that moves you closer to your values or a choice that moves you farther away from your values. And mapping it out like that can be really helpful because you can see, like, for example, the decision is, do I go out to eat with my friends? And maybe, you know, you're worried about, oh, well, if I go out to eat with them, I'm going to eat way too much. And so maybe I don't want to do that. You might see like, oh, actually that moves me away from my values. And so you can start using the your values as a filter for your decisions. And as you continue to work on that, I will teach you, again, I will teach you some skills to get really good at this in The Confident Eater if you're like, eh, I need help. Which a support system is a pretty amazing way to make changes and the only reason that I was able to be so successful in this is because I had a support system. I had friends that were going through something similar. I was able to talk to them. I was able to communicate with them, share my struggles. And honestly, like I, I didn't know that it could feel this good to be in my body and eat food. I didn't know it could feel this good to go on a trip and like not freak out at all about not being in control of what's on my plate not freak out about not being able to work out. I didn't know it could feel this good to like go through my day and not have to plan and replan everything I would eat. Like I realized, oh, I'm hungry. Oh, okay, uh, this is what I'm gonna eat for lunch. Instead of having to like plan and replan and do Tetris around like, is this gonna fit in? I can enjoy half a cookie and just move on with the day. And that's it. Doesn't spiral out of control, doesn't ruin my day. And I thought that this feeling wasn't a feeling that I would ever have. I thought that it was a feeling that was reserved to people that quote unquote like didn't ever struggle with their weight. 
And I thought that I would always have to be doing some sort of diet to keep my eating in check. And I'm so happy that I was wrong. And what actually works to improve your relationship with food is skill building. There is a lot of research to support self-compassion, cognitive flexibility, mindset skills, and a practice of either mindful or intuitive eating for a better relationship with food. And it sounds like a lot. I know it sounds like a lot. And trying to take all of that on without support can feel really challenging. Because, you know, where do I start? What happens, you know, when I lose that first burst of motivation? What happens when there's a sticking point and I want to keep going, but I feel like I don't know what to do? And the Comedy Eater is your step-by-step guide to mindful eating. So you can stop obsessing over everything you, ma- you put in your mouth and you can find that balance between healthy eating and treat yourself. And you are going to have a built-in support system. You're going to have a group of women and a coach that know exactly what you're going through. And that in itself is probably like the value, like one of the biggest values of the course, but also the fact that these skills that are within the program are designed to help you move from point A to point B. It's not like a diet, another diet. It's not a list of foods that you should or shouldn't eat. It's a a set of skills that help you develop that self-trust and confidence in yourself. So if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and share it with someone that might need to work on some of these skills or might be interested in some of these skills. If you have not left me a rating or a review, um, the rating takes like two seconds and it is such a cool and free way to support the podcast. And I am going to go drink some water because I am feeling parched. Thank you so much for being here and I will talk to you again soon.